Good morning. Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. Whew. It is much easier to breathe without the mask. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I am Judy Myers. My pronouns are she and her, and I am the officiant this morning. Wes is one community unified across space and time gathering for these Sunday platform addresses to affirm our values and commit to a better world. So I want to welcome those of you who are here in the hall. Welcome. So nice to have people here. Those who are watching on Zoom now or later, and those who are catching the recording later. So if you're on Zoom, please check the chat for a welcome and various tips from Joe Klein today's Zoom chat usher. And if you're here in the hall and would like an assistive listening device, please check with the sound team in the back. If you're visiting here in person, please stop by the welcome table after platform today to speak to a greeter or to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas. Uh, those of you who are visiting online now or later, we invite you to send an email to Maceo at maceot at ethicalsociety.org. That's M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org. Or to fill out a connection form, which you can find at tiny.cc slash westconnects. So I will take a look and see if there are greetings that folks have written in the Zoom chat. Aha, in fact, there are one or two uh, Sarah Morris says, good morning. Candace says, hi, Candace, Alexandria. Um, good morning, says Lorraine France. Uh, Joe Klein says, good morning. Laura DeShulio, I think I got it right this time. Good morning. Um, Hannah and Brennan, yay. Good morning, everyone. Leanne and Brian say good morning from Brian and Leanne. <laughs> um, I'm sure that folks will remember to set their chat settings to everyone. Good morning, everyone. Um, let's see, what else? Mark Mayer, good morning to all. And let's see, let's see, Don Nunziato, I hope, says good morning. Cynthia Goodman, good morning. De Shulo, De Shulo, I will get it right yet. Anyway, um, it is really wonderful to see so many people saying hi. Um, so folks who are joining virtually can use the time um, to get a candle to light during our candle lighting if you should like to do that. So, did I get any more? No. Okay. <laughs> it is good to connect and to share this time together. Today's opening words are selections from All About Love by Bell Hooks. Many of us seek community solely to escape the fear of being alone. Knowing how to be solitary is central to the art of loving. When we can be alone, we can be with others without using them as a means of escape. 
I am often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that pays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community. This morning's opening music is an energetic number co-written and sung by West Music Coordinator Leah Morris entitled Lifted in Love. Good morning, Wes. Leah Morris Good here. Good morning, Wes. As always, Leah honored Morris here. By the opportunity always, to share music with you. By the opportunity Doubly to share so music with you. By the Doubly removal. So by the, the release removal of the term interim. The release from, uh, of the, the title of my service to Wes. So thank you for that invitation. To Wes. And I am also hopeful. And I am also that we'll have an opportunity to sing together. That we'll have an opportunity to sing together. Sharing. I hope you'll find some place that you want to sing or clap or talk. And so if you feel inspired to sing along with the main part of the chant, it's We are here to be lifted in love. Another place that might feel like an invitation is when I sing Lifted. If you're feeling your oats this morning and you want to move a little bit and you want to shout, it's an opportunity, an invitation. We are here to be lifted in love. Look at the sky, it tells us that we are here to be lifted in love. Look at the seas, it tells us we're here to be lifted in love, to listen to love as a flower raises its face. To the sun, we are all one here to be lifted in grace and love. We are here to be lifted in love. Look at the skies, it tells us lifted. We are here to be lifted in love. Look at the sea as it
I'll tell you, it is great fun to see so much participation. Um, and I'm sure that Leah will be very gratified to know that we had, uh, we had some good lifting there. <laughs> Each week, we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. If you are interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash readSOP, and you can read it here in person, as Emily will do in a moment, or make a recording that will be included in a future platform. Today's reader is Emily Newman. Emily is chair of the Community Relations Committee, CRC, and part of the stewardship team. Join CRC after platform today for a fun activity on empathy and stay tuned for pledge party information. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Emily. As Emily lights our community candle, I invite those of you with candles at home to light yours and for everyone to join me in our candle lighting words. Kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Our senior leader, Casey Slack, will now present today's Story for All Ages from the book Love Violet, written by Charlotte Sullivan, Wild with pictures by Charlene Chua. Thanks, Judy. Hey, everybody. It's been a minute. You can see the images for our story today up on your screens. Thanks so much to Abby and John who make those slides and make this possible. As far as Violet was concerned, only one person in her class raced like the wind. Only one had a leaping laugh. Only one made Violet's heart skip. Mira. Every day, Violet dreamed of astounding Mira with heroic feats and bringing her treasures and galloping off together on adventures. But whenever Mira came near, what are you drawing, Violet? Want to play horses, Violet? Where's Violet? We're line buddies today. Violet went shy. One wintry day, Violet had an idea. 
an idea with crayons and scissors, glitter and glue. How many of you have glitter ideas? <laughs> when it was just right, she signed her valentine, Love, Violet. Maybe tomorrow their adventures would begin. On Valentine's Day, Violet woke to shimmering snow. On went her boots and lucky cowgirl hat, and under the hat went Violet's surprise. As Violet kicked through the snow to school, Carlos asked, did everybody bring Valentine's? I bet you made a special one for someone, teased Jade. Ew, did not, cried Carlos. Violet, did you? Violet blushed hot. I gotta go. She darted through the wintry gust with her hat pulled low. Just then, Nero raced up like the wind. Nice hat, Violet. Snow sparkled on Mira's eyelashes. Mira was magnificent. But what if Valentine's, Violet's Valentine wasn't? Suddenly, Violet's heart thundered like a hundred galloping horses. She reached for her hat and thumpity, thumpity, thumpity. Bolted. All day long, Violet's stomach lurched. What if Violet couldn't give her Valentine? What if Mira didn't want her Valentine? What if they never adventured? Time for Valentine's, called Mr. York. Violet squeaked. Queasy and quivering, Violet delivered her Valentine's. All but one. She looked left. She looked right. She lifted her hat. Thumpity, thumpity, thump. Did you give all your Valentines? Mira asked, appearing out of nowhere. Violet jumped. She smacked right into Mira and tumbled into the coats. All around her, kids hooted and howled. Violet shrank into the tangle of scarves. She wanted to say sorry. She wanted to give Mira her Valentine. Instead, she scrambled away, hiding her eyes and her surprise under her hat. At recess, Violet made a lonely angel in the snow. How could she ever face Mira now? Then, laughter lassoed across the playground, a laugh like leaping horses, a laugh that warmed Violet down into her boots. Violet sprang up. Only one person had praised her hat. Only one hadn't laughed when she fell. Only one had ever asked her to play horses. Could it be Mira wanted to be her Valentine? Mira, cried Violet, I have something for you. Violet flew through the snow. She scaled drifts, which is hard. Have any of you tried to scale a snowdrift? Difficult, especially if you're small. She slid across ice, also hard. Our girl Violet is going through some stuff here. She even dodged a barrage of snowballs under the jungle gym. 
when the wind whooshed up Violet's hat and Mira's valentine. It twirled down and down and down beneath stampeding feet. We all say the next line with me. No! Mira raced like the wind. Violet, what's wrong? Violet sniffed. This was for you, but it's ruined. For me? Violet, it's so pretty. Mira tucked a torn bit into her cap. It glittered beside her hair. Then, with a shy smile, Mira reached into her pocket and pulled out a locket. For you, said Mira. Inside was a violet. Want to go on an adventure? asked Violet. Yes, cried Mira. And they were off, galloping over snowy drifts to see what they might find together. Thank you. Let us enter now into the centering time of our platform. Each week, we read this chime in solidarity with people around the world. And today, I'm particularly mindful of those suffering the ravages of the war in Ukraine, which has now passed the one-year mark since its beginning. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us, let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer. And let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. I invite you to get comfortable in your seat. For you, that might mean sitting with your feet on the floor. It might mean you need to stretch a little bit. You need to stretch, just be conscientious of those around you. Maybe you need a big, deep breath.
do whatever you need with your body to feel centered and present in this moment as much as possible. We can't always all be everywhere. As you breathe and sit and rest, I invite you into what is ultimately a variation on the Buddhist practice of metta, the loving-kindness meditation. As you rest, call into your mind someone who you really love. Someone who you love open-heartedly, easily. Maybe it is your partner or a child. Maybe it is not a human someone. Maybe it's your dog. Maybe it's your cat. Fish, I don't know. Bring them into your mind and in whatever way works best for you, surround them with your love. In my mind, this looks like surrounding them in purple sparkly light. Might look different for you. Hold that for a moment. And let it go. Bring into your mind yourself. Whatever your internal picture of you looks like. I'll be honest, mine often looks like a small blue mouse puppet. Bring yourself, however you are in your own mind, into a picture as much as you can. And give that being, in all of its complexities and difficulties, all of the fine-grained detail you know from living with yourself every minute of every day, that same love that you extended to the last being you thought of. Wrap that purple sparkly light, whatever it looks like for you, around it. Give yourself for at least a moment the kind of care that feels easy to give to someone else. and then let it go. Pull into your mind your community. Whatever your picture of your community looks like, whether that is this room or many more rooms, whether the picture is of the people or a building or just a concept of togetherness. Hold that in your mind, knowing the complications of community, knowing that no two people ever agree fully, and certainly no 20 
40, 50, 60, 100, 277 ever agree fully and wrap that community in that same love. Let it get all into the contours of that community, the places where it is hard to be together, the places where we struggle with our own need to be right, with other people's behaviors that can be confusing, infuriating. Give all of that love and hold it for a moment. And then let it go. And now I'm going to ask you to do something really hard. Pull into your mind someone you find difficult to love. Someone who compassion is a struggle when you think of them. Where your worst self wants to jump out and do all the interacting for you. And try, try, this is hard, to wrap them in that same open love, knowing that they have an internal life that is complicated, that they are, whatever else is true, still somebody, still a beating heart, blood and nerves, connective tissues and interstitial fluid, that they are all the things that you or anybody is. That one is a stretch and let it go. And then, finally, if you can, imagine this whole world full of people and things and creatures, billions of humans and many times more insects, fish and plants and flowers and trees and mammals and snakes, the things you think are the most beautiful and the things you think are the ugliest. The people who are not on our planet, but are instead orbiting just around. And spread that love energy that you have been imagining out around the planet, big enough to fit the International Space Station in it maybe the whole orbit of the moon around our planet, filled with what is for me still purple sparkly light. A planet that needs care, that is broken and hurting, 
that has been damaged. People that need care that are complicated and beautiful and terrible and wonderful. Try to hold that whole messy, beautiful ball in love for just a moment. And when you're ready, let it go and come back to here and now and this moment together. The refrain of this song is simply, I choose this day, I choose this day, I choose this day, I choose this day to be one with love. I choose this day, I choose this day, I choose this day. I choose this day to be one with love. I choose this day. I choose this day. I choose this day. I choose this day to be one with love. I choose this day to breathe freedom and laughter. I choose this day to feel more than enough. Not yesterday and not any day after. I choose this day to be one with love. I choose this day. I choose this day. I choose this day. I choose this day to be one with love. I choose this day to be free of a laughter. I choose this day to feel more than enough. Not yesterday and not any day after. I choose this day to be one with love. I choose this day. 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 I choose this day to be one with love. I choose this day. I choose this day. I choose this day. I choose this. 
Today's reading is Neil Gaiman's Poem for a Friend's Marriage. This is everything I have to tell you about love. Nothing. This is everything I've learned about marriage. Nothing. Only that the world out there is complicated and there are beasts in the night and delight and pain and the only thing that makes it okay sometimes is to reach out a hand in the darkness and find another hand to squeeze and not be alone. It's not the kisses or never just the kisses. It's what they mean. Somebody's got your back. Somebody knows your worst self and somehow doesn't want to rescue you or send for the army to rescue them. It's not two broken halves becoming one. It's the light from a distant lighthouse bringing you both safely home because home is wherever you are both together. So this is everything I have to tell you about love and marriage, nothing. Like a book without pages or a forest without trees, because there are things you cannot know before you experience them because no study can prepare you for the joys or the trials because nobody else's love, nobody else's marriage is like yours. And it's a road you can only learn by walking it. A dance you cannot be taught, a song that did not exist before you began together to sing. And because in the darkness, you will reach out a hand, not knowing for certain if someone else is even there and your hands will meet and then neither of you will ever need to be alone again. And that's all I know about love. This morning's speaker is our senior leader, Casey Slack. Thank you, Judy. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me no more. Love is a many splendored thing. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. I was made for loving you, baby. You were made for loving me. Okay, 80s music references aside. Also a good little bit of Moulin Rouge in there. What is love? We've already talked about this some um, this month. The officiants team did a platform a couple weeks ago talking about their perspectives on love, but I think it merits a little more discussion. There's this idea that love is some sort of mystical, magical, beyond understanding feeling, and it is, and also it isn't, right? 
Love is that feeling, that butterfly, sparkly, weird thing you get when you meet someone who clicks, who works, who you vibe with. Love is also a lot of other things. And the kind of love that lasts a long time not only is but must be more than sparkle feelings. Sparkle feelings will get you on a date or into a community, maybe. But they don't keep you there. Sparkle feelings might make you excited to join a new club, a new organization, a congregation. But they don't keep you there through two and a half hour long board meetings. They don't keep you there through fights about who's gonna wash the dishes, through the everydayness of needing to eat something repeatedly every day, <laughs> through the, it, Adam, three times at least, right? Through the experience of going to an airport. You could love somebody all you want, but if your approaches to the airport are different, you're going to need something more than sparkle feelings to get through that. And you're going to need something more than sparkle feelings for the real hard times. For when there's not enough money. For when your children are sick. For when, if you are lucky, one of you comes to the time of your life when it is time to die. Love is a lot of things, and some of them are sparkly and fun and cool to write a pop song about. And most of them are hard or mundane or simply a matter of commitment. Is my contention now, and you have heard before, that love is a commitment to caring that you get into love most often through sparkle feelings. I get into love most often through sparkle feelings. But then something else clicks in. A commitment to a person, to a community, to the world. Oh, if you want to be in love with the world, you're going to need something more than sparkle feelings. Mm because the world does not provide you with sparkle feelings as often as you might like for it to. And though it does have miracles, things I will call miracles, trees, plants, a snail, a snail is a miracle. Beautiful little things that can give you the sparkle feelings, it also has snow in Los Angeles yesterday, 80 degree weather in Washington DC while it was beginning to snow in San Francisco. It's also just crawling with humans. Uh, and as much as I love humans, boy, are we complicated. This is a rough set of creatures. It turns out uh, when molecules vibrate hard enough, they get really haunted. And here we are. 
exaggeratingly haunted and unclear of how to handle it. Eight billion of us. Oh, great, fun. Yes, and. Somewhere in there, there must be a commitment. There must be a decision to care for one another, for our community, for ourselves, for the planet. The story that always comes to mind when I think of love as a commitment to care, when I think of love at all, is a story about my grandfather's desk. My grandfather had a desk. I don't know how long he had had it. It was wooden and relatively large for someone who was poor for most of his life. And he would, once a month, get out the checkbook and sit down at his desk and lick the tip of his ballpoint pen and balance the checkbook. He kept all of his papers in his desk, his retirement papers from his time at Ford, but also newspaper clippings from the literal holler in West Virginia where he grew up and so many other things. And by the time my grandfather died, the desk was in disrepair. The varnish had worn off. It had become the sort of thing that if you sat at it, you were likely to get a splinter. Because by the time he died, it had been many years since he had needed to balance the checkbook. Someone else had been taking care of that. Now, my grandparents had have 30 plus grandchildren, and then another now nearly 20 great grandchildren. So there were lots of us for them to know, and you would think that with that many of us, they would have known any of us barely at all. But they managed to know all of us pretty well, and a couple of us really, really well. My older cousin Eddie and I spent probably more time than anybody else in the grandkids group at Grandma and Grandpa's house, and Eddie more than me. Eddie lived with my grandparents for most of his life, and he and my grandfather were close. Not only did they live in the same house for decades, but they shared a name. So much so that Often, mail came to the house that was for one of them, but had the other's social security number attached to it because one of them wasn't junior because there was another person in between. Literally the same name. So when Grandpa died, Eddie took the desk. It would have been really easy to just be like, oh, this is old, it's splintery, we can get rid of this. But Eddie didn't. Eddie took the desk into his garage and he sanded it down. He re-varnished it by hand. He made it beautiful again. So it could come to live as a piece that honors my grandfather and his life, as something that can still be used, is still used as a place to sit down and balance out your life. Love is taking a thing that has fallen into disrepair and choosing to fix it. Love is not 
letting a thing continue to hurt you or other people just because you have nice feelings about it. Love is a commitment to care. So we know that the ancient Greeks thought of love in a bunch of different ways. They had all these different words for love and people really like to talk about those as if they are individual, fully separate experiences of love. I don't tend to agree with them being fully separate, but it can be useful to think about all the different ways that you love, right? that love is not simply the type of love that you have for a romantic partner, and not simply the type of love you have for your family. So the ancient Greeks would have talked about xenia, a type of love that is about hospitality, particularly to strangers or foreigners, a commitment to caring for people you don't know yet. When I first went to a UU summer camp as a young adult, I was terrified to meet new people. I was staying in this dorm building with a bunch of other young adults, and they all had known each other since they were children, and I was brand new. And I made friends with one person, and I said, I am scared. And he said, strangers are just friends you haven't made yet. Now, you might not want to go about your day-to-day -day life assuming that every stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. Sometimes that could be dangerous. But what if, and I'm saying what if as if many of us aren't already, but go with me. What if part of love for us, part of how we define love here at Wes, was a commitment to care for people we haven't met yet? What might we do differently? Or more of or less of? Or exactly the same? If we were focused on a commitment to care for people we haven't met yet. Making sure that we had an elevator, that was a step towards caring for people we haven't necessarily met yet, right? If you have mobility difficulties, it will be very difficult to get to the bathroom in this building without an elevator. Cool. Wearing masks is a commitment to care for people we haven't met yet. Because you do not know what somebody else's health situation is like, what kind of risk they could tolerate to be in community, who has to stay home if we don't make it as safe as we can. I want you to take a second. If there's somebody next to you nearby, talk about what we might do. And there's a lot. I just scratched the surface. If we wanted to commit ourselves to caring for people we haven't met yet, the stranger, I'm going to use the word foreigner again, though I don't like it, the foreigner, the people who aren't already in this room. Let's take about one minute to do that real quick.
Go ahead and start wrapping those conversations up. Okay. I'm gonna come on back. Hello, hi, come on. <laughs> I hope that those conversations were fruitful and interesting, and I would love to hear later, maybe in our response period and maybe in the hallway or in an email about something that you thought about together. Another one of those Greek words for a type of love, one that I think gets misused a lot in our culture, is eros. eros we usually hear in the context of the word erotic, love mostly of sexual passion. Now, I think that that's like a weird definition of eros in the first place. Eros is a little more about pleasure than about sex, but I see where you would get the two wrapped up in each other. Now, what does it mean to commit to caring for pleasure. That is pretty remarkably countercultural in this context, right? In the US, we are encouraged to consume, we are encouraged to excess, but we're not really encouraged to enjoy. We're not really encouraged to be in our bodies in the way that I think Eros speaks to. You can see this some in our food culture. It's actually a really visible place, right? Europeans, for example, but almost everybody else on the planet takes time to go to lunch. We eat at our desks while doing other things. I do this. I eat at my desk in that office while typing emails to you. I should stop, I'm trying. We are rushed through. Are you familiar with the product Soylent? Yeah, so Soylent is a meal replacement smoothie shake thing. It's kind of gross in my experience, but it's interesting to me from a couple of perspectives. One, which is a throwaway, Soylent, a name comes from Soylent Green, the, the end result of which is Soylent Green is people. Weird. Um, but that is not my point here, weird as though it may be. Soylent's whole marketing campaign is wrapped around, hey, isn't it irritating having to eat? Couldn't you be more productive if you didn't eat? It's not the only such product. There are others that have popped up with at least less terrifying names, but... This idea, right, that it is irritating to have to eat. Now, it is irritating to, again, three times a day, have to decide what you're going to eat every day for the rest of your life. Yes, stressful. But the eating part should get to be fun. You should get to enjoy the food. Because food isn't just fuel. Your purpose as a human isn't fundamentally to get back to work. Part of your purpose as a human is to be here and enjoy it. 
How would your relationship to food change if you were committed to caring about your pleasure in eating? Let's move away from food. You think about how we approach exercise, bodily movement, being in the world physically. We approach exercise as a culture like if it was a punishment. We've talked about this. We talked about this a little last month. How many times have you heard someone say that they were like earning a piece of cake that they were going to eat by running? Right? How many times have you heard someone say, oh, I have to exercise or insert moralizing statement here? Right? How often has it felt to you like going for a walk with some sort of punishment you set up for yourself? If you don't have that experience, I am extremely jealous of you. <laughs> if you do, you're in good company. It is common in the world that we live in to think about exercise, to think about engaging in physical activity as if it was a punishment that you got for your body's capacity to hold on to fat. Weird a weird way to approach being in a body. A way that is really focused on what can your body do, right? This is one of those places where we get linked into disability justice, right? If your body can't do the things that the culture says it should be able to do, if you cannot physically run up a flight of stairs, which, wow, um, then, well, you know, you're a little bit less than. How many times have you applied for an office job that wanted to know if you could lift 50 pounds or more? A lot. And you know what? That's actually illegal. They do it anyway, right? It's their way of getting around ADA requirements that say that you should, you know, hire disabled people. It's a little circuitous route to say, if you're not strong, if you haven't punished yourself appropriately to be strong, then you don't deserve a job where you will sit at a desk all day. <laughs> I know I over-rely on these pauses, but sometimes I really don't know what to say. Sometimes there is nothing to do but look at you and together wonder about this world that we have come to inhabit. Strange. So what's different if movement is about pleasure? What's different if being in your body is about enjoying it? Are you maybe a little less mad at yourself when you can't do everything you wish you could do? When what is natural about aging or becoming ill or getting injured or being sick stops being a failing that you have had and starts being something you think of as, okay, but what can I enjoy? What can be fun? What if the point is to have a nice time? This is one of the cores of my work as a clergy person, one of the cores of my own thinking. What if we all had a good time? What if it was fun? 
What if it could be fun to be in your body? What if it could be fun to be in community? What if what we did was have a good time? What if we followed the things that feel good? We've been talking specifically about food and exercise, but sex is a location where we learn some stuff about what feels good for our bodies. In the All Our Whole Lives curriculum, which we do for sex ed here at West and in a bunch of other places, one of the circles of sexuality is sensuality. And when I explain sensuality to middle schoolers, what I always say is that this is about what feels good for you. And that is everything from do you like a hug or not to do you like lotions that are thick or thinner? How does it feel when you wash your hair? Are there smells that you like, textures, fabrics that feel good on your body? What if you got dressed primarily for pleasure? What if step one was what will feel good to be in the world in today? I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun to get dressed that way. That is a primary motivating factor of how Caitlin and I get dressed. What's going to feel good? What's going to be fun to wear today? And if that's step one, you can shape it, right? Okay, today I am in my most visible clergy role, so I am dressed a little nicer than I might during the week. If I were to go to a fancy restaurant, I would first think what will feel good and second think what fits the dress code. <laughs> But we often do it the other way around, right? What are other people expecting of me? And then maybe, is there something I like I can add to that? Leading with pleasure is profoundly countercultural, but also deeply humanistic, deeply based in the idea that you are fundamentally good, and the things that you want and that feel good for you are probably good. Now. You do have to check what feels good for you against other people. Other people are also real, right? And we learn that when we think about sex and sexuality as well, right? We learn about consent. We learn about bodily autonomy. We learn that pleasure, and in this context I am speaking sexually, is something we do together, not something people do to each other. What is it like if we take that ethic, that ethos, and move it into community life? What if the point of all of us being together is for it to feel as good as possible for all of us to be together? I'm taking a lot of time, so I'm not going to give you the little break to talk about that one, but hold on to it. Talk after platform. The last one of these Greek words for love I want to talk about is agape, another one that gets misused a lot, primarily by Christians. Um, agape is this open-hearted, everybody love. Christians often talk about it in the context of being love God has for people, um, which removes the possibility of people having that love for one another or anything at all. Agape is a stretch. Agape is hard. Agape is like a goal state. 
where you have familial, they often say brotherly, but like I got more genders than that. Familial love, care for everybody. It's the kind of love that has you have a conversation with the person standing on the corner asking for money. You give the money, please give the money. But also stop and talk to somebody, have a conversation. It's the kind that reminds you that everybody is somebody. I think if we can hold on to what's it like to commit to loving the stranger? What's it like to commit to caring for pleasure? What's it like to commit to remembering that everybody is somebody? Well, that might just change the world. I have one final point and it might feel a little tangential, but I think it's important. You may have noticed that the readings contradict each other. The Gaiman poem talks at the end about you will never need to be alone again. And the Bell Hooks quotes talk about avoiding joining community simply to not be alone. These things are both true. Sometimes conflicting things are true at the same time and the thing we have to do as thinking, feeling, terribly haunted creatures is to figure out what to do with that conflict. People are not supposed to be alone forever. People are not supposed to be disconnected. We feel lonely because we are not supposed to be alone all of the time. We are supposed to get to connect. And if you connect primarily from a position of wanting not to be alone, if your only point is to shut up the noise in your head, then what you will cause mostly is problems for yourself and everyone else. How many of us have ever gotten into a relationship, a romantic relationship, because we thought that as long as we were dating somebody, it would be fine. I'll just go ahead and put myself out there. Yeah. Has that ever worked? It has never worked for me. Every time I have sought relationship, whether interpersonal or communal, from a place of wanting to run away from myself, all I have done is blown things up. There was a time at the end of my clinical pastoral education residency where the bottom fell out on my whole life. One of the things that we talk about less when we talk about non-monogamy is that the highs of loving multiple people can also come with the lows of being broken up with twice in a month. At the end of a residency, when then a job that you were promised also doesn't <laughs> materialize. I was on the floor, very literally, on the floor every day. And it would have been easy, and it was severely tempting 
to run and find somebody else to date, to find a new crowd of people to hang out with, a new thing to be obsessed with, to fill up the space where I was left with just me. But instead I laid on the floor and I cried and I felt the moment I was having and I learned how to be with myself. I saw where I was in my relationships, running from being alone with my thoughts. I was in my career, running away from being alone with my thoughts. I haven't done that since then. I don't seek out people or positions or community to fill a hole. I know that I am whole by myself, that I am one person among many, and though I do not deserve loneliness or shame, I also do not need to be completed by anyone else. So love must also be a commitment to caring for yourself, not to self-focus that is out of control, which you might actually call selfishness, not to self-centeredness or an insistence that your positions are always the right ones. We are all wrong sometimes. But a real dedication to loving yourself in your worst moments, to listening to what is happening in your head and caring for it appropriately. Whether appropriately is crying on the floor or making sure that you call a therapist or going and being in nature, there are a lot of appropriate responses. But love must be for you too or it will always be shaky and volatile and prone to dramatic fracture. So I leave you with that. Love for the stranger, care for pleasure, commitment to the whole, and care, love, deep commitment to the self a whole person, a whole person, no matter what you've been told. Thank you. Thank you so much, Casey. In a few minutes, we will have our community sharing time when you can write into the chat or share in person um, about what resonated with you in this platform. While we listen to today's musical response, you might prepare by reflecting on a personal experience or an activity at West that the platform brings to mind. We have uh, today's musical response is called Love Looks Like. This song was inspired by Cornel West's wisdom. 
looks like kindness. Love looks like kindness. Such a joy to hear um, the the multiple layers of uh, Leah. <laughs> um, we get to have more than one. So this is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates with our own personal experience. For our online participants, I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or in the comments if you're watching the recording later. If you are here in person, you can come to the microphone here on the floor and share your brief comments so that others may also share. Um, and I'll start by seeing what uh, there may be in the chat. So Kristen says, um, uh, on behalf to, to Leah, we are so fortunate to have you touching our community with your love, your talent, your creativity, your wisdom. Once again, you brought tears to my eyes. Thank you deeply for the music. And she loves, she says, love the butterflies. Um, a comment that uh, was made in the chat when, when folks were talking amongst themselves here in the hall um, from Sue Smith. We would work on immigration reform if we could uh, really appreciate that each of us is a, an important human. So Patty says also, commitment to caring for people you haven't met yet resonated with me, along with the idea of loving yourself in your worst moments wrap up the dilemma of being alive, indeed. So um, we'll turn our attention to commenters in the hall. Uh, please begin by saying your name and share your pronouns if you'd like. And please be sure to keep your comments brief, perhaps no more than a minute or two, and uh, so others can also have an opportunity to share. Hi, I'm Abby. My uh, pronouns are she, her. And uh, I, I love the whole platform, but um, I wanted to share that when you were talking about appreciation of, uh, about Eros, food, beauty around you, it connected for me, um, I, a, at least a year ago, Lynn shared a platform based on the book Braiding Sweetgrass, which has become very important to me. And one of the concepts in that book is that every living being in the community of living beings on earth has a particular role to play. And the special role that humans have that other beings do not have is to bring appreciation and gratitude. And so for me, it's helpful to think that when I am looking at this forest and feeling its beauty deeply, and of course you feel it most deeply when you think of all the things that had to come together to put this delicious food on your plate or preserve this forest, that I am bringing to the world what I have to give.
Hi, my name is Peter, he, him, his. Um, <clears throat> so as I was beginning uh, to become a humanist, uh, my children were just being born. And so I was very concerned about what would I tell them? And so during this time, I wrote uh, what I call a humanist creed. And there's the, the statements in it are not the statements that existed in other literature. They're slightly different statements. They're statements that, to my way of thinking, really did a better job of stating uh, what it was. And one of those statements has always been puzzling because I've sat back and said, well, wait a minute, this statement is completely self-contradictory. And so I was very much related to one of the points that Casey was making. And then when they were talking about uh, agape, I said, you know what, this one statement is actually my statement of agape love. And that is, I want to make peace, democracy, and well-being in the world while respecting the freedom of people everywhere. It's totally self-contradictory. You can't do all those things all at once. No way. All right. Well, at any rate, thank you. Hello, uh, Jeff here. Uh, you know, Casey, when you make a comment about food, you know you're going to get a comment from me. And um, one of the things that, things that just gets me angry about current American society with, with respect to food, and I think we could do a whole month's worth of platform just on food, it would be so easy, is all of this prepackaged garbage that's light, uh, either L-I-G-H-T or L-I-T-E, and why, it, it just, to me, that just defeats the purpose. Now, I know lots of people are busy and maybe don't have time to cook every day. For me, it's the high point of my day. And I look at uh, food as kind of like a blank con canvases to the painter. Um, and I thought about not only the sensuality or the sensuousness of food as it tastes, but also in its preparation. I mean, when you go to put the olive oil in the hot pan and you get that bloom uh, of the oil or that satisfying sizzle as you're declazing a pan and the wine goes to combine with the fond, the only problem I have is after I make this sauce, Betsy eats all of the sauce anyway, so it's like I don't get any of it. Oh, well. Thank you for all of the comments. I'm looking to see if by chance there are more comments in Zoom. Um, I think not. So uh, Emily has Um, Emily, she, her. Uh, in the discussion time, uh, one of the thoughts that I shared was um, potentially having um, sign language interpreters. Um, and, and I think that that uh, often is a thing you, you consider once you know that it is needed. Um, but when, uh, so my grandfather never had good hearing. And um, somehow, scientifically, uh, men seem to uh, hear, lose uh, hearing of the octaves that women speak in. And apparently it's the reverse for women as uh, for men. In, 
um, as they get older, yay. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I always had the hardest time talking with him. I had to make my voice deeper and go slower. And he was such a joy to talk to. So I remember feeling frustrated at times that sign language is not more relevant. And, you know, we would make faces at each other. Um, but, you know, especially now with masks, I feel like I'm noticing you can't count on facial expression. And, um, you know, just the same way that we kind of try to learn, please, thank you, where's the bathroom in like multiple languages. Um, I think it could be helpful to incorporate sign language too. Thank you. Um, and there is one more um, comment in the chat from Cynthia Goodman. Wow, a very profound platform. I really like the comments on self-love, which I struggle to achieve. It is so hard to enjoy living when you live in a body that is in constant pain. I'm one who has to force myself to exercise every day. Life often feels like punishment to me. And we are, in fact, complicated beings. And thank you to all who shared their thoughts and attention. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at WES, we split all undesignated gifts in the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This week, as last, in honor of the work of Global Connections team and in solidarity with the people of uh, El Rodeo and El Salvador in general, we're sharing half of the offering with the Santa Marta Legal Defense Fund. Um, that's that fund that supports the defense of five community leaders and anti-mining activists who have been arrested by the Salvadoran government. Uh, on charges of involvement when, with an alleged murder from 31 years ago. Uh, they're imprisoned without beds. They're sleeping on pieces of cardboard laid on a concrete floor uh, without access to medicines or family members and with only five minutes a day to speak with their lawyer. And a Salvadoran court has said they will remain in prison for at least six months while an investigation proceeds. So let us take a moment to prepare to respond to the invitation to generosity. For those who are able to respond, uh, we offer several options. And noted, as noted on the screen, the number to give by text is 202-335-1885. And you can donate online by via tiny.cc slash westgives, or by clicking on give on our website at ethicalsociety.org. You can place cash or a check in the basket uh, at the back of the hall or on your way out. And you can always mail a check. People do still do that. So thank you for your generosity. And we will now receive your gifts of your gifts and more gifts of music.
Thank you so much to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Our senior leader, Casey Slack, and staff members, Andara Miles, Robin Kravitz, Tamana Berangi, and Maceo Thomas. Music coordinator, Leah Morris, and our platform production team consisting of the tech team, slide artists, Zoom chat, Usher, and in-person greeters, whose names you will see on the closing credits slide. At the conclusion of the platform, please join us for social hour, either here or via Zoom. And first, before we wrap up too much, I wanna mention a few things um, happening in the life of our community. Um, please note that there was an error in this week's news and notes about the, this afternoon's hybrid meeting of the West Group Aging in, with Intention. It will happen at 3 p.m. this afternoon, but the correct physical location is the party room of the Elizabeth, the condominium where the hosts, Patty Absher and Paul Baker, live. Uh, please do not show up at the location mentioned in the email because it will likely confuse the new owners of the property. The West Chorus will not rehearse next Wednesday, March 1st, nor the following week, March 8th. Don't worry, this does not mean that there won't be music. However, starting on March 15th, the chorus will begin uh, preparing to sing for Wes's Spring Festival on April 30th. Yay! So this is a great opportunity to contribute to a festive occasion. And if you'd like more information, uh, please contact Perry Bider. He'll be back on March 5th, uh, in town that is. Or you can just show up here at 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday, March 15th. Come sing with us. It's wonderful. Today at 12.30, the fun relationship building uh, activity hosted by the Community Relations Committee alluded to earlier will be happening here at WES. Um, is that in the social hall? In the social hall. It's the first in a series of four monthly activities. Um, this month's is on empathetic listening. And the Wes at Work co-working space is now available in the social hall every weekday from nine to five uh, for people who are working remotely but would, uh, would like to take a break from looking at the same four walls at home or wherever that is. If you're available to take a turn volunteering to, as a host for this, please see Thursday's news and notes for the link to the Sign Up Genius page. And that's it for, that's all I can fit in here. <laughs> As always, you can find information about opportunities to connect in the Sunday links or news and notes emails and on the calendar page at Wes's website at ethicalsociety.org. Thank you all for being part of Platform today, uh, whether in person, via Zoom, or watching later. I now invite you to join with music coordinator Leah Morris in singing our song of the month, Give Yourself to Love by Kate Wolf. Kind friends all gathered round There's something I would say that what brings us together here has blessed us all today. Love has made a circle that holds us all inside. Where strangers are as family, loneliness can't hide. 
You must give yourself to love If love is what you're after Open up your hearts to The tears and laughter And give yourself to love Give yourself to love I've walked these mountains in the rain And learned to love the wind I've been up before the sunrise To watch the day begin I always knew I'd find you, though I never did know how. Like sunshine on a cloudy day, you stand before me now. So give yourself to love, if love is what you're after. Open up your hearts to the tears and laughter, and give yourself to love. You must give yourself to love If love is what you're after Open up your hearts to The tears and laughter And give yourself to love Give yourself to So just a couple uh, last reminders before we wrap up. Uh, if you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. For those who wish to socialize online, to reach the virtual coffee hour, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. And now I invite you to join me in our closing words for this month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, extending love to ourselves, our communities, and the world with dedication to justice that is truly for all. Again, thank you for joining today's platform, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.